Oh. Hey. Hello, welcome to the show. Hey, I'm on the show. Yes, this is the show. This is Wilson Podcast so far. I'm going to name it something else at some point, but that's what we're rolling with now. Caller number one, you're on the air. Yes, welcome. (laughs) Caller number one, where are you calling from? I'm calling from Asheville, North Carolina. Asheville, North Carolina. Well, welcome to the show. We are in the personal diaries section of the podcasting world, which means that we uh, are just going to talk about current events in our lives and whatever in an unrestricted fashion. Uh, It's a family show, but it's a family show that pulls no punches. (laughs) So uh, what kind of words... Are uh, off the table here. What kind of okay? Kind of so words? think about it like we're in a PG thirteen movie. So you get a couple of sh bombs if they're well placed. You get one tasteful f bomb. <laughs> All right. Because I want it to be like like it's not necessarily for kids, but for instance, maybe uh, some of my students could listen to this like with their parents as a as a family you know think about like sitting down and watching the simpsons uh yes. sitting down and watch you know simpsons level comedy is where there's we're a, at. there's adult jokes but you know it's not like it's not like you're watching a, an adult movie necessarily right exactly you know? anything yeah. that can be contextualized by a responsible adult present in an easy enough way we're totally good <laughs> Okay, perfect. <laughs> yeah. Well, I usually start by asking people, uh, describe your surroundings. Um, my surroundings right now, I'm, uh, I'm in my room uh, in West Asheville, North Carolina, uh, the west side of town. If you've, Well, you've been here, but if, if uh, your listeners have never been here, this is kind of the local cool hang area of Asheville. Um, I've got um a giant purple ohm tapestry over the window had the windows open all night it was storming and it was beautiful um i love falling asleep to the sounds of some nice uh summer storms and uh well, i guess spring storms what year is it i don't even know um <laughs> and uh yeah aside from oh, i've got a uh, i've got another piece of um piece of chakra type thing i've got a heart chakra um little bandala thing hanging on the wall and um yeah and i am about to uh light up a nice bowl of cbd uh which is totally legal in all 50 states absolutely yeah north carolina and florida it became that way uh just before i left north carolina and yeah it was what an amazing feeling to to walk into a regular store and uh buy that kind of herbal medicine incredible incredible so tell me about your tapestries and you your chakra decorations because you're in a place called Asheville, north carolina which i know as a place where i would expect to see that kind of stuff but you're the first Asheville that I have had on, and a lot of people don't really couldn't even picture a place like Asheville. Um, so, Asheville, uh, basically, if Asheville was, you could describe it in um, one image, it would probably be um, a giant tie dye tapestry <laughs> surrounded by Christmas lights. <laughs> um, no, I'm only sort of kidding, but it's pretty accurate. Uh, basically, I've I've had this tapestry, this big purple one over my window 
since I was a St. Louis hippie, which uh, the St. Louis breed of hippie is uh, a little bit different. I feel like in St. Louis, you have to be very outward about being a hippie. You've got to have like a weird beard and you know, <laughs> <laughs> like you have to like tell people when you meet them, like, by the way, I'm a hippie. You know, you keep your, uh, your, your bracelets on from your festivals for three years and you get festival infections around your wrist because <sighs> you just have to let people know. We're here. It's a little bit different. It's like, oh, I, everybody does that. So, you know, the fact that I have this ohm tapestry, I'd probably get made fun of by like every single person who saw it just because it's so cliche to have it. But I, I mean, I like it, you know, like I, I appreciate what it means and right. Um, and looking at it when I walk in my room, I'm like, oh yeah, peace. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like ubiquitous there. It's like having like a pink flamingo in your lawn kind of thing almost. Oh, yeah. I mean, if you don't have a singing bowl in your house, <laughs> if you don't have uh, at least three pieces of quartz crystal on your windowsill, like, I don't even think you live here. I, I, I legitimately don't think that, that you live here unless you do. <laughs> I have, speaking of crystals, I've got a little crystal shrine. Um, it's not huge right now, but looking at it, I've got um, some quartz crystal. I've got some smoky quartz. I've got some heart, uh, some rose quartz. So that's three different kinds of quartzes. We're rocking the quartz. Got some amethyst, which is technically quartz. Got some tiger's eye, uh, ammonite. Um, we've got some labdorite. Uh, some other ones as well. Got a giant piece of mica that I got from uh, Snaggy Mountain. Um, some lapis lazuli. Anyway, just looking at my shrine, just letting you know what's on it wow that's beautiful i have two questions at most two questions based on that <laughs> first i'm curious about how do you interact with this crystal grid everyone has a different practice of what they do and what role it plays in their house what's yours um it has kind of a two two-pronged function uh prong one is aesthetically um i leave it out and it is aesthetically pleasing and it makes me kind of it calls my attention to just trying to be in a good headspace um and also if uh if i am going to do any sort of energy work uh i will I'll oftentimes incorporate it my specific form of of that everybody does it differently i do like to meditate but specifically what i like to do is uh read I Ching, um and kind of do like a sort of meditation based on that reading and and where it puts me in my life. <clears throat> so I'll oftentimes incorporate the crystals into, into that and kind of getting the intention in the right place. Very cool. The other question that I had, yeah, I don't even, that's, that's just amazing. and such a cool window and story into your life that we can leave it there. I also <laughs> want to know, um, nope, I forgot. Tell me about the snozberries. <laughs> That was awesome. Um, yeah, so the band, uh, it's just over two years old, I guess two and a half years old at this point. Um, and we just put out our first debut album. I guess you can only have one first debut album because um, it wouldn't be the first debut. It, <laughs> anyway, uh, it's, it's our first full length. Um, and uh, as far as the band history goes, you were one of the founding members of the band uh, back in the day. Uh and so I know you have kind of a, 
a, a personal connection to the group in that way, which is I do, a, I do. a lot of fun. Um, and we, on the new record, we've got three songs that you uh, co-wrote with us, um, which is also pretty cool that we finally got those down um, on the record. So Absolutely. And now as a, as a listener, as both someone who was there for the very, very early percolations of the music and now to hear the finished product, it is so cool to be in the seat of the listener because, oh, it's produced so nice. The sounds are all so juicy and the, the mixing and the mastering over the entire album is really nice. Like the vibe of volume and frequency over the whole thing, like the listening experience of the record as a whole is just really fun. Dude, thank you so much, man. Uh, we we're really stoked about how it came out too. Like, um, we we basically like what we did was we went to um, the best studio in Asheville, which is also one of the best in the whole Southeast region. Uh, Echo Mountain Recording. Um, <clears throat> it's beautiful. It's inside of a church. Um, have, did you ever get to go inside when you lived here? No, I never got to go inside Echo Mountain. I've seen pictures, though, in videos, and it is. It's a really spectacular space built in an old church. I hope you get to come and check it out someday. That, that was the only time I've ever gotten to go inside. It's it's amazing. So when you record there, you're you're in one big room. They have all of the amps and, and everything in isolation. But you all play together in one big, uh, what used to be a church. It's got this big stained glass and super high... Uh, high roof like it's it's kind of a magical space um and so we did a lot of live we did almost the entire album live tracked minus the vocals and a couple of overdub solos and then um josh blake did the uh producing and mixing and he did a a fantastic job um and then uh, we sent it off to john Keane down in athens georgia for the mastering um, he's done like REM and widespread panic and the Indigo girls. Um, so he's, he's got like a pretty good resume and hit the, what he was able to do with the mastering. Like, I, I don't, I don't understand how that works, but I just know that it sounds cool. <laughs> um, and so we were all really impressed with, with how that all came out. Um, and yeah, I mean, we're, and then of course, um, got to give a shout out to Josh Levy who's done art for us since day one and um, the album artwork that he did is some of my favorite artwork in general, not even just for us, but of anything that I've seen him make, it's, it's really one of my favorite pieces. It's, it's really uh, got a lot of meaning and an intention behind it. Um, and it's, it's very focused and, but also very trippy and psychedelic, like all of his artwork is. Um, so it's uh yeah, we, we really we tried to put as much intention and, and tried to do it in, with the most, the highest quality, uh, you know, personnel that we could, basically. Yeah, absolutely. And it does show. And and I don't want to, even though the mixing and mastering is so good, I don't want to downplay the musicianship because there's just like so many good solos. I mean, it's really, it's a, it's a, it's a rock and jam and pop record and it's fun to listen to but it's also like it's musicians music like you will hear some vocabulary as a player that you'll really like on this record too oh thanks man yeah it's uh it 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 was really fun to record um it was just one of those 
times where we we did it in two days and we just went in and um at once we finally got rocking the first day we used a lot of the takes from the first day um and then when we came back the next day um you know we just crushed it out we got all the tracking done and about half of the vocals done in just like that very short uh i guess that's like what 20 hours or 16 hours or i can't remember if they were eight or 10 hour days but right um to track the whole record um it it meant that we had to do everything live and um we didn't touch a lot of the solos like the guitar solo on confusion that was like the first take of the song we just used the entire first take beautiful we didn't even touch it we were just like boom that's the one and we did record another take we were like no that first that first take because like it's hilarious we had a we had this girl taking video and i think she got this on video like halfway through the solo um the headphones that i've got because my guitar is isoed in another room so you can't really hear it my headphones just like fall over my face and like like i was basically playing blind because they were over my eyes and like i couldn't hear anything like and so when you listen to the solo it's like there's like this moment where like everything just gets really fucking crazy and that's what was happening oh there, there's my f-bomb no i think that's fine uh, that's because that was an emotional peak man you took us there that's well yes good tasteful f-bomb um but that but yeah just it went crazy um because i like i didn't even know what was going on i couldn't see and or hear anything basically um and just kind of felt my way through it was a lot of fun to record um and yeah it was just it was the the whole experience was really a, a really special um magical time wow yeah that's really cool and yeah <laughs> there is something about a piece of clothing or equipment failing or falling off during a recording session because i remember there <laughs> there was a similar thing like that one of the uh first music videos i ever recorded and it was a three-piece band and the drummer my friend benny cannon who we'll have on the show soon who i think oh, you've I met benny. he yeah there's this one part where he does a drum fill and he's wearing glasses and his glasses fly off his face like fly straight off <laughs> <laughs> then he like sticks the disc out, and then it's like he like hits the floor, Tom, and strikes a little pose. And so oh it totally God. worked, and it was captured. And it is there is something about those moments of realness because you're really in the moment. I guess is the thing that kind of art. Oh, totally. No, it, that reminds me. This is a totally random story, but when I was living in St. Louis, um, we used to put on shows, and we really we were trying to get the scene built up the guys who stayed there actually did end up building the scene up really well so um it's really cool to see what they've done but back then um there was a band uh oh god what were they called uh they're called circo now but their earlier incarnation was like bicker stout and, and cheesecake <laughs> i'll never forget we put yeah i know it's a great name and we uh i'll never forget that there's this one time they were playing uh one of our shows and and they the drummer like the mat wasn't working and his drums were slipping out from under him and the bass player who had like a six string bass like a big fatty bass he uh he started doing the splits to save the, <laughs> the drum. and so there's this dude who's doing like less claypool slap bass craziness and he's like totally his legs are apart in a full cheerleader split to hold the bass drum in place and for to me 
even though it was in the moment and should like they were embarrassed about it to me it was the most amazing piece of performance art i was like this is exactly what you should do every single show. yes oh yes <laughs> it was uh it was i was, i still remember that you know like that's how memorable yeah. it was because it, it gives the show a sense of story you know there's some conflict and resolution there's a struggle that you're seeing these people bond together to overcome yes Oh man, that was, it was magical, you know, just to watch, watch someone just save the day, you know, like personal Superman swooping in, sweep the leg, you know? Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. I know that for you, you have a lot of heroes through history and through literature. And I know that a hero that you and I share is uh, known in American history in the old West as old frosty nips. Oh yeah. You know, uh, old Frosty Nips, he's got a, a big statue right outside of Red Rocks. Um, so if anybody is ever curious about the history of Old Frosty Nips, we did detail it in immense, uh, immense detail. We really went through the whole history. It was history. exhaustive. It was an exhaustive research process. <laughs> we explored the the depths and boundaries of uh, what history can really teach us by, uh, you know, because we didn't just talk about what happened we also analyzed and contextualized that history within where we're at in um, america circa 2018 or 17 mm-hmm. uh, i can't remember which year what what year is it anyway? uh, I, I don't me, even know what year just, it is now. i'm gonna check wikipedia really quick because uh, we did <laughs> we we during our exhaustive search we kept thorough notes and submitted everything to wikipedia and everything that they accepted which is a Good bulk. Good bulk. Am I right? A good bulk of the data is is available. <laughs> uh, yes, it was 2017. Ah, uh, yeah, circa 2017 when we contextualized. Right, because I mean, basically, like there hasn't been that much exploration about old frosty nips in modern history. You know, they they talked about it back. Well, he's been covered up, frosted over. Yeah, you know those. It gets frosted over those nips, dude. They just get really hard it's and frosted. It's true, but the thing is, when you really start learning the story, the history, the culture, the flavor, the phenomenon, the dirty, grimy, secret life truth of old frosty nips, your nips start to get Yes. They do. I mean, that's that's part of the legend, you know? The legend of old frosty nips like if you if you really tap into that energy source he will bless you with frosty nips for life it's true and because of that magical act of his story commercial to that yeah so the thing about it is that you know in history people like to look at things very cut and dry very black and white they like to say this happened on this day at this time and if there's things that they can't explain, you know, you read in the history books, like they can't really explain certain things. And so they tend to shy away from that um, unless you're really studying history with a capital H. And so when we delved into the story of Old Frosty Nips and really uncovered what happened, it was with a capital H because we were really talking about like what you know, trying to explain the mystery of this magical phenomenon that resulted from old frosty nips and, and what happens when 
you uncover it and you feel the frost and your nips get frosty with him. And it's like this bone chilling, hair raising, goosebump inducing, frosty nip feeling that, you know, it's indescribable except it's it's a very tangible feeling, you know? Can't you can't describe it in words. It is, but many people through history have tried, as we have, to wrap their heads around the nips. And many artists have been inspired, of course, just like us, by old Frosty Nips. Robert Frost, uh, born Robert yes. Johnson. He actually changed his name. Originally, he had made the plan to change his name because he shared the name with a uh, blues singer. Uh, but also right, at this right. time, he too the early fans of old Frosty Nipsology, we are, uh, as we call ourselves. Uh, and then, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. uh, uh, right. you know, Dr. Freeze, the real life Dr. Freeze, not from the Batman movies, of course, but the real life figure that the character is based off of another historian, because it's uh, the line between fantasy begins to begin to get firsthand testimony of what am I trying to say here? <laughs> I think, well, and, and also there's one, uh, one other piece of, of, uh, of pop culture um, historian history. So <clears throat> Frosty right. the Snowman actually figures into the story. Um, people think it's hey, be a careful. silly this cartoon. Is, you'll get in trouble. From... Hey, I mean, just, you know, parental disclaimer. I mean, You're well, right. No, I mean, I'll I... let you go on. Go on, please, because I think this is something that should be shared with the next generation, with our children. It should not be hidden. And I think on a family show is the right right place to discuss it. Please go on. Thank you. So, you know, I will keep it family friendly, but um, it's just, it's a controversial uh, subject. You know, this topic really, some people it rubs them the wrong way, makes them feel a little cold, a little frosty, if you will. Frosty the Snowman, people think, is just this cartoon. But what 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 you what you can discover if you really look into the legend of old frosty nips is it's a modern day retelling of the his entire biography and really you know how he was formed how he came to be how he lived his life and his eventual demise back into uh into the earth into the water system you know and uh eventually all of us just get evaporated up so you know you can build us into a snowman and uh, and then you can put a carrot nose on us mm-hmm. and, you know, eventually going to melt. That carrot will still be there for a little while, but even that will disintegrate back into the earth. And, um, you know, we're all going to either disintegrate or evaporate in some way, shape or form. And so when that happens and Frosty the snowman and he turns into a puddle, you know, um, it's it's this beautiful Buddhist metaphor that people don't like to talk about but that's really what's happening you know that's uh, the the creators if you look into it were um huge into hinduism and buddhism um it's actually a some people would call it a Taoist story uh the story of frosty the snowman so um you know it's it, it's controversial it's controversial but i would argue in my uh you know in my documents my papers uh my analyses i would argue that uh, Frosty the Snowman, modern day retelling 
of Old Frost. Yeah, Frost. and I mean, I'm sometimes I'm reluctant to make this known, but when people bring the topic up with me, I'm always candid about it, and I share this view. And where things really get hairy, where things can get uh, slippery, if you will, is that people have a hard time explaining why we haven't heard about old frosty nips more in in the history books in schools in you know when i was in you know oh i took the advanced placement class i was supposed to have the most controversial right. or not controversial the opposite of controversial the most uh the most uh complete uh knowledge of history i had the most expensive history lessons why and it's because the story has to be told in code because it's a story that comes from the losing side. As you know, history, his story, it's told by the victors and the real truth of old Frosty Nips, but not only his life, his message, really, his goal, even those who know about old Frosty Nips and that he had nips and that they were Frosty and he was a real person, they don't necessarily know why he took it upon himself to be remembered in this way and what his message to be carried forward is. Yeah, man, it's, it's important that we're the torchbearers uh, of this, you know, not don't get too close to the frost, you know, with that torch, because you don't want to unfrost the nips, but you know, you got to be the torchbearer here and really share the story with the people because um, you know, if, if we don't pass this story down it might get lost into the catacombs of history and, and, you know, it might just be like that library that burned down. I don't remember what it was called, but you know, that one that they burned down, I think uh, it was the, uh, the Ottomans burned well, down that library. Is that right? the, I mean, I don't want to gloss over. I'd like to actually dig into the catacombs of history, an actual set of catacombs that you and I know about that our, our listeners probably don't. The catacombs right. of history, you know, about the, catacombs of skeletons which exist underneath the city of paris this we've all seen the pictures you know very youtubeable uh but we don't know about the catacombs of capital h history that were destroyed uh in the in the great thawing of 1989 which you probably haven't heard about at all right well the thing about the great thawing a lot of people didn't hear about it so ronald reagan did a really good job uh, and the CIA as well did a really good job of, of hiding this from not just the American people, but the world at large. There was a real um, just power struggle going on and, uh, and they did claim victory. That's why, um, you know, all the things that have happened since then have happened in the way that we've experienced them. But there was an alternate capital, you know, capital H history is things that play out, not just in the cause and effect world of our immediate experience but it also plays out in the ethereal world in the in the metaphysical plane and it's capital h history is is going on around us all the time we might not know it but it's happening and so you know what they tried to do is they tried to pin it down they said nope we're going to get textbooks and these textbooks are going to cost 350 dollars and it's going to have a um it's going to have a CD-ROM inside of it that you can only put into your computer and otherwise you can't learn about history. And then when you put it in there, it's going to tell you about lowercase h history, things that 
you know, the government determined was fair to share. Um, you know, even the conspiracy theories are government approved. But if you want to look into the capital H history, you do have to go and delve a little bit further. But it Absolutely. is there. Well, thanks to found it, like the fair to share foundation, for instance, is trying to make these uh, documents available, these various scrolls available. They are uh, encoding them onto different kinds of reel to reel technologies, other kinds of magnetic tape, uh, wax cylinders, uh, just anything that's difficult to get to, but easy if you know the right people. And that's why they call themselves the Fair to Share Foundation. They're actually sponsoring this podcast. Thank you to the Fair to Share Foundation. Uh, they've sent me quite a lot of money. I'm actually uh, on the Fair to Share family plan. So, yeah, the Fair to mm. Share Foundation actually uh, shares a foundation with my house. It's one building. Yeah, I actually, okay. it's, it's my foundation so, yeah. is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, it's my foundation. It's, it's my foundation. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, I mean, I didn't want to spoil the surprise for, you know, didn't want to, you know, out you as the well, I just wanted founding to, I member wanted to, or anything. I wanted to make the announcement not only to our listeners, but also to you, because I, I know that you have uh, had me on your list of suspects. I know you've got a whiteboard. You've been, you know, yeah. it's a little bit of a scavenger hunt. Most new foundations now are mostly uh, like banquets, scavenger hunts, uh, cruises. Those are the main activities uh, because it, it takes a strong foundation of physical health and well-being to maintain a foundation. Am I right about that? Can you check me there? Yeah, I, I will check you there. And uh, I would like to Please. check in and say, first of all, thank you for finally admitting that you're the founder of the uh, FTS because, you know, um, I, like you said, I've basically called you out on it many times and you're always like, I don't know, it's not me. Like, but I kind of always knew. And so, you know, to share that with me, it's, it's not so much of a revelation. That's why I'm kind of being even keeled about it. I'm not like really jumping up and down. I kind of already knew, but it's more like that. Aha you know, slipped it into conversation here. And now I know for a fact, um, you know, what, what I had always considered to be true. Now I know it's a fact. Um, but yes, to, uh, to run a foundation, um, first, you've got to be able to run. And if you can run, that means you can walk. And if you can walk, that means that you can stand. And if you can stand, that means that you can sit. And if you can sit, that means you can think. And if you can think, therefore you are. And that's how you have to think if you're going to run a foundation. You start at the running phase, right? And then you work your way backwards to the thinking phase. And then you stop thinking and you stand up and you start walking. And then you are running the foundation. And that's how uh, foundations are run. As far yeah, as I do agree with that. And the thing about foundations and the way they run is that foundations run sitting down. It's on the deck in my PowerPoint. It's available on my website. On via, You can access it through my GeoCities account. You can get the username and password uh, by just calling me on my rotary phone. How about your Patreon? Yes, can, you, can, can Patreon you can too? get it on get actually that? Amy Schumer's Patreon. One of the, uh, it's actually not, oh, sorry. It's 
Right, but it's... Oh, I love Amy Schumer. She is. God, she's so uh, funny. A national treasure. A national treasure. Her humor is is one of the... I love she it. Was Never heard her jokes before. She said that. Movie National Treasure. Oh, National Treasure. Now, my favorite Nicolas Cage movie is uh, is not the one with the bees. Oh, the one with uh, the bees. It's a good movie. The um, sequel to Let the Right the one, one with bees in. is good. It's also <laughs> right, yes. right. It's called The One with the Bees. Oh, wait, wait, can um, I just, just brief there's interruption? A movie. I want it's... to share this joke with you. Okay, okay, okay. Yes, All right. Sure, sure. The Dalai Lama walks into a pizza shop, and the pizza shop man says, oh, my God, it's the Dalai Lama. And then the Dalai Lama is like, yes, are you Buddhist? And he's like, yeah, I've been, I've known, I'm subscribed to your Instagram. And then, and then the Dalai Lama says, can you make me one with the bees? <laughs> yeah, that's that amazing. one actually, uh, I'm, I'm, I actually, that's not, I plagiarized that. I have actually a copy of the Bhagavad Gita in front of me. I actually plagiarized that directly from the divine personality of Godhead. The next, the following line is uh, the Supreme personality of Godhead said, colon time i am the great destroyer of the worlds and i have come here to destroy all people and chihuahuas yep you know that's the thing is like you know when when the world is eating all the humans you know the black plague now the coronavirus it's not so concerned about the animals and the plants however god or the godhead or whoever, whatever you would like to call that entity, really, really has it out for chihuahuas. That's why they made them so scrawny and annoying. You know, I've met one chihuahua I've liked. It's my friend Joe's chihuahua named Nelly after the rapper Nelly. Uh, That's the only chihuahua I've ever liked. Every other chihuahua has been extremely annoying. So I can completely understand why the godhead wanted to destroy not only humans right absolutely and can i just speak about heads in general i specifically want to talk about ayn rand's the fountainhead what can you tell me about that right and i know know, you've not only read it but you actually uh used to run a food truck uh that that was (laughs) called the fountain bread am i right about that yes yeah, I did get uh, sued for copyright infringement on that one, and I uh, I congratulations the by the way congratulations. So I I, un- yeah, thanks. I you know the the ruling came out recently uh, under the you know the weird Al clause. Um, that's actually you can use that in court now. Uh, right. And say well, weird Al did it, and uh, and that's all you have to say. You know, you just say, have you seen? Um, weird Weird Al's fat video where he dresses up like Michael Jackson, but he's really fat and he's got a big uh, red suit on and he's dancing and and it's amazing. Uh, and people are like, yeah. And you're like, okay, cool. Do you remember Amish Paradise when he is doing Gangsters Paradise, but he's Amish and he flips off the little kid? And you're like, yeah. You're like, okay, cool. Then the fountain bread is legal under the uh, precedent of Weird Al did it. And, uh, you know, the, ju- the judge was... Right, okay exactly. That, and so. I mean, 
the beautiful truth about the fountain bread and the reason I brought it up and the reason I want to immortalize it like this is because people don't really understand yet in this culture about the healing properties and just the delicious family-friendly experience of waterlogged bread loaves. And you were the one, you were Mm -hmm. the one, you were Mm -hmm. the first one ever, at least that I know about, uh, to bring waterlogged bread and waterlogged bread products to the States. So could, could you talk about your experience? Yeah. So, um, basically, uh, what, so in the fountainhead, you know, we really got to start back at the beginning here. Uh, Howard Rourke is the, uh, as the, um, architect, he's kind of a, um, caval- uh, cavalier kind of, uh, visionary, and uh and you know he does a lot of different things throughout the book he builds a mountain into a house for example um he uh has promiscuous sex with a couple of different Mm -hmm. uh people in the book um he talks about how communism is extremely evil and also and probably most importantly he uh has a new recipe for bread and what it is is basically you make a loaf of bread and you make it perfectly just like you always would um you know you let the yeast rise for uh, a certain period of time, depending on the bread, uh, you get the right um, dough mixture going, you put it in the oven, you knead it before you put it in the oven, of course, and then it comes out. Maybe you want to pop some uh, sesame seeds on there. Maybe you like your Joe's and get the everything but the bagel uh, seasoning and put that on. I know it's kind of like a, a basic B kind of thing, but you know, I'm that kind of guy. Um, but what he would do afterwards, regardless of what kind of bread is, uh, is he would, soak it in some water um you know get it nice and mushy uh and then he would eat it and uh and that's why they called the book the fountainhead so uh what i did with the fountain bread was i followed that recipe and uh and we sold at least two loaves of bread in our existence of time uh most people didn't really get it um you know it was a little mushy they said they're like oh that's that that mouthfeel is not my favorite mouthfeel i said well listen it's not about whether you like the mouthfeel or not what it's really about is if you can understand howard Rourke's struggle to become an individual in um in society you know and uh, it's about how capitalism will always prevail over communism in that book not necessarily in real life but that's how it happens in the book also it's about how bread can be eaten when it's soggy and it the mushy mouth feels kind of weird, but if you um, if you really get the book, then you will do it just out of pure pleasure of trying to experience what Howard. Right. What other kind of snacks are you making during this coronavirus quarantine? Like we're all stuck inside our houses. Like what I've been doing a lot is uh, not just a regular grilled cheese, but I will actually make like a a fried cheese outer layer. Uh, on my grilled cheese how i do that is mm-hmm. i'll actually put some butter down on the hot pan i'll sprinkle a layer of shredded cheese or put a, a slice down and what happens is the cheese melts into the butter but then it starts to kind of like cook and harden and fry right at that moment whammy i'm gonna put a piece of bread directly on that cheese and what happens is that i mean i don't really know what happens honestly because it's it happens underneath the bread i can't i've never seen it happen even though i've done it a hundred times easily uh but what happens is that the hardened cheese becomes fastened to the bread 
and uh, and I start making it from there. The mm-hmm. other pro tip that I would give is I will actually like raclette style. I'll heat up the cheese on the pan like separately, and I'll put like that goop of cheese. I'll scoop it out of the pan. I'll slop it into a bowl or something and save it. Right. So then what's what's happening mm-hmm. is like yeah, I you know butter goes down, cheese gets hot, starts to get hard. Bread goes down, cheese gets attached to the bread. I hit that with a glob of melted cheese that I had over beside the situation and then I put the other bread down and then as soon as that happens I scooch it over and I start the next like che- uh, butter cheese reaction so that at the perfect moment it's cooked right. enough on the one side the butter cheese reaction number two has started you flip it and then uh, a little press if you want to maybe um, one to f- three minutes depending on your heat and I think that's my number one pick for stay-at-home, easy coronavirus quarantine snacks. That sounds really amazing, actually. I, uh, I've i got to try that one. Um, yeah, my, uh, my go-to, so basically, um, it's like, you know, uh, I'll get like some ground oh, yeah. turkey, you know, it's got to stay healthy. Um, you know, I, I do eat meat, so um, sorry to demystify Anybody who thought that I was that much of a <laughs> hippie, nope, not quite. Uh, I still eat meat. I can understand the <laughs> argument against it, but it's just not how I'm trying to live my life. <laughs> but I want to be healthy, so get the ground turkey, right? You uh, you you make uh, you make it into a burger, um, and then you get some bread. You get all the burger things that you would ever put on a burger. So you get the cheese and I might have to try it where you do this melting in the pan first and the goop thing you were talking about. It sounds pretty good. Let's get the cheese, get some lettuce, get some tomato, get some pickle, get some radishes. You get some onion, you get some um, mustard, you get some ketchup, get some mayonnaise, you get some um, wheatgrass and make sure you make it into a wheatgrass shop first. While you're cooking all this together, by the way, how do you cook it? You put it in the pan Um, and then take that wheatgrass shot. It's going to make you feel really good. It's going to make you feel energized, rejuvenated. This is part of the recipe. Then you uh, actually save a little bit that you didn't drink down and you spit it into the the turkey uh, concoction. Then uh, you get the bread, which is in there, by the way. You take the bread out. Hopefully it's a little soggy because fountain bread. Uh, it's made with fountain bread. And then, uh, you know, what you do is you actually, uh, you eat it, but the way you eat it is you don't eat the lettuce. You don't eat the tomato. You don't eat the, uh, onion. You don't eat the cheese. You don't eat the turkey. Um, and you don't eat the bread. So really all you're eating is, uh, is nothing. So it's a zero calorie. Innovative. Uh, zero calorie Controversial. Meal. It's really good. Yeah, it's good. You know, it's very healthy, though. People people are like, how do you stay so trim? And I was like, maybe he's born with it. Maybe it's the uh, fountain bread. Right. Thank you, by fountain, fountain, fountain bread, bread, to our sponsor. Yep. Uh, well, our, you know. Right. I mean, use the term loosely, you know, of course. The yes, thing is, I mean, it, go on. Deliver the disclaimer. Deliver the, the disclaimer. The LLC. Uh, uh, the, yeah, okay. I mean, the LLC is, you know, it's kind of after the court battle, even though we won, it was kind of expensive, and uh, you know, I kind of had to sell off some of the right. But thanks the to the Fair to Share um, Foundation, so, uh, we were able to recover some of the shares. Yes. Uh, I actually, 
It has been acquired by Fair to Share. Right, well, most of the shares are actually hidden uh, in the catacombs within the foundation of my home now, physically. Yes. Exactly, the skeletons skeletons and the history, because the thing about the Fair to Share Foundation is that it's about us sharing all of the knowledge of the world with everyone else when we deem it the right time, the right weather, uh, when we feel like everyone's been, um, I don't want to say well-behaved, I guess I mean obedient. Am I making myself Mm, clear? Okay. Ethan, am I making myself clear? Especially with the obedience. The obedient part, um, yes. You know, obedience is, uh, you know, it's like Obadiah, but... Exactly, and I think that other names that come from words also really should just be abolished. I think if you're going to have a name, it should just be a name. I think, like, uh, you know, Sandy, right on the edge, right on the edge, because sand sand is is a thing, right if your name edge. is not sand, if your name was sand, I would say your name might as well be mud. Am I, am, am I right? So... Sandy. Oh my right, god. Right. Well, that's yeah. what they should call him, buddy. Yeah. 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 Sand. I mean, what is sand anyway? It's just tiny pieces of glass. And if you want to get cut up all the time by those tiny pieces of glass, you know, that's all good. But maybe you want to get a little muddy. Maybe you want to roll around in it a little bit. And uh, and that's why the fountain bread is a really important foundation. So we've actually expanded the, uh, the role of fountain bread. Um, so when we got acquired by FTC, uh, what we ended up doing was uh, under under the guidance of the CEO, which I've now found out is you, I thought it was you, I was 100% sure, now I know, uh, w- one of our new protocols is uh, we actually go around and we uh, apply our fountain bread technology on sand and turn it into mud um, for you to roll around in. Uh, and it's called the Sand to Mud Fountain Bread Foundation Um you know, S-T-M-F-B-F, and wow. for short. Um, and, uh, it, yeah, it's, it's, it's actually been a really amazing project to be a part of. Um, I, I have not been paid to say this. Uh, this is my personal feeling about it. It's my honest opinion. It's been, it's been, really, uh, it's been a really ma- magical, magnificent little, uh, little endeavor, you know? Well, you know, that's really special. Yeah. I think that's something that we as a generation, millennials, that's something that especially baby boomers recognize as something different is that we want to feel like we're making a difference. We want to feel like we're making all the knowledge and resources known when we feel like it, of course, to everyone else. We want to teach the real and true history of the world uh, whenever we want to, which is sometimes, and that includes having programs, having buildings, offices, secretaries, as well as big deskers alike, small deskers, big deskers, Mm -hmm. medium deskers, I'm talking no deskers, standing deskers, all of these people need to be mobilized. Well, they need to be immobilized in their seats, unless they're standing immobilized, you know, however it works. They don't need to really be moving, but in their minds, they need to be mobilized to reveal the truth of, say it with me, all frosty nips. Yes, thank you so much for bringing it back full circle, because 
you know, the listeners really need to understand the importance of the story of old Frosty Nips, how he came into being, how he melted away, and the metaphor of Frosty the Snowman, which was told. I mean, it's like, look, man, these Hollywood elites, they're trying to share some history with us, but they can't get, you know, I mean, like, they can't get too overt about it because Ronald Reagan actually didn't die. He is, um, he's like, you know, in the underground bunker, they kind of basically cryogenically froze him so that under the, in the case that the Hollywood elites decide to share the story of old Frosty Nips and the alternate history with a capital H and really try and tell it too overtly, he will be unfrozen and he will F S. I do. If you know what I'm saying, he will, he will feel um, Slytherins. Uh, it's true, and all, and, all kinds uh, of wizards. I mean, not I mean even that wizards from that particular thing. universe, but I mean, we're talking about red mages, white mages, purple mages. We are talking about the sandstone seers of the Kalahari Desert. Uh, we are talking about uh, the walrus wizards. We are. How do you feel about a brown wizard? <sighs> I mean, the thing about a brown wizard is that their priorities are a little bit murky. Murky to me. Murky mm-hmm. is the best word. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like I kind of yeah. feel like uh, they're a little bit opaque. Can I say that? Can I say opaque? Yeah, maybe maybe uh, right. not quite translucent. Yeah, know? I mean, I not the, so for me, the jury you know? is out. That particular flavor of wizard, I just don't, I just don't know enough about. I haven't, you know, I kind of, uh, yes. you know, when I was younger, I would see this and that on television, but ultimately, I don't really know. I mean, the thing about wizards is that some of them can read the written word. Uh, I can't, you can't. Mm-hmm. Most human beings we know, I'm pretty sure, I, you know, check me. Eventually, we'll have someone on the show to do this, but I'm pretty sure most humans completely illiterate, and uh, so... What that means is that when you go to Red Rocks, when you travel to Colorado, the middle of the United States, and you go to this uh, parkland, you will find this statue, but you won't know what it says because it's written in a language that, as, as we know, as our listeners know, common knowledge is lost. But... Thanks to the spoken mm-hmm. word, thanks to... I think this is why Google Home is taking off, because I think the robots are realizing that we just want to say things into the air. So, I mean, I yeah, don't know. Yeah, totally. Robots yeah. maybe can read. I don't know. I've never met... A, not that many of my friends yet are robots uh, that I know of. Uh, I've been told that... I'm suspicious well, I, I mean, suspicions of aside. Friends, you know? Yeah, there's this one guy in the, and whenever he like, you know, if you say the wrong word, such as if you if you start talking about fountain bread, um, his eyes kind of do this weird twitchy thing. And then uh, he starts to like the, the air starts to smell a little bit like burning copper. And, uh, it you know, it's just I, I've got my suspicions, you know. I mean, the copper smell, that could be anything, man. That could be a copper leak. You're right. You could call your copper, copper leak. That's what I would do. 
I know. I can't. I can't. I can't get too in my head about this. It, it really. Uh, well, you know, we've got that. We got an SOP for this. You know, you gotta. You gotta go on on uh, on on copper dot org. You know, just like the rest of us all did. You know, on our thirteenth mm-hmm. birthday during the uh, the time honored ceremony. You know that we all do when you when you call the copper man for the first time. Your copper yeah, mitzvah, your copper exactly. mitzvah, as they would say. Thank you. It's been it's been a long time, many years for both of us yeah. now. So you know it's. I'll never forget, man. The copper man came. It was, I mean, it was a beautiful thing, you know. It was, uh, it was, it was very uh, eye-opening experience. Um, I'm so glad that you know we are a part of that time-honored tradition, um, you know. But I, I hope that it gets passed down along with some secret knowledge that you know not everybody is uh, is tapped into, not everybody's tuned into it, but. You know, if you start to tap in and you start to experience that secret, secret knowledge and put it to power in your everyday life, I think that's really, um, that's really how we can transcend, you know, that's how we can really move into our new, uh, our new beings. And what that entails is you download your consciousness into a computer and they put it inside of a mechanic, a mechanized version of you. Except the one thing is you can't talk about fountain bread because if you do, it will make you short circuit a little bit. It's part of keeping that capital H history a secret. But with that, when your consciousness gets downloaded into the computer, it does you get universal knowledge and uh, Google is immediately available to your brain. So you basically become a genius overnight. I do know. I've seen it yeah. happen. I've watched it happen. Uh, for the listeners at home who want to download your consciousness in the form of the Snozberry's new album, how can they do that? <laughs> uh, yeah, so if you want to check it out, um, there are many ways to do it. Basically, the one that I would like you to go to if you're just trying to listen to it for a quick streamy stream, hit the Spotify um because it looks good but uh you can also check it out on apple you could check it out on napster you could check it out on deezer you could check it out on youtube you could check it out on facebook or instagram on your stories if you if you want to listen to it through your story you actually can i know it's kind of weird but you can literally do that you can check it out on tiktok if you want to make a tiktok of the snozberries i don't have a tiktok account but i'll make one just to watch your tiktok uh, this is a true story though. You can actually get on TikTok, and our shit. Is oh, that's on fine. There. Yeah, Sorry you have a few S-bomb, more of those in the chamber. But it's on there. Oh yeah. Oh, you're right. I have at least one more. Uh, but so our stuff is on TikTok. If you want to check it out, uh, you can download our album on TikTok. You probably can't download it. If you were so inclined and you really wanted to support the band uh, financially, you could download a digital copy um, and pay for it on Apple or Bandcamp, or you could even buy a physical copy i will send it to you in the mail um i have t-shirts i can send in the mail and posters and cds and i can do that uh, i can put it in your mailbox um i can't promise that i didn't cough on it and get coronavirus all over it but i can also tell you that it's probably okay uh maybe spray it with some lysol uh when you get it and and leave it on the counter for uh 24 hours um or if you're like me lick it and pop it in the <laughs> player because that's what i would do beautiful well ethan thank you so much for being on the show we'll do it again uh do you, do you have any parting words for our audience yes absolutely 
Uh, parting words for the audience at home. Um, yes, uh, be safe out there. Um, make sure that you uh, wash your hands uh, and make sure that if you cook fountain bread and are trying to access capital H history in the catacombs of the universe, make sure that you do it secretly. Make sure that you don't tell Ronald Reagan's people about it because we don't want him to be unfrozen. It will be catastrophic. That will cause the apocalypse. So be really careful. But I do want to encourage everybody to uh, check that shit out. Also, snozberriesmusic.com, personal plug. And uh, Wilson, it's been awesome talking to you. I, I did I, too. I, I we'll really do it again. Have a fantastic day.